discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything He is. That is why He told Abraham, He said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave Himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God Himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Mommy, you are welcome. It's good to see you. Yes, yes, Reverend. <laughs> it's good to see you. Pastor Elikem's mother and sister are here. <laughs> Mommy and Anyonan, please kindly move forward for us. Yes, the seats in front are actually for you. So please move forward, Christ. Thank you. Wow, what a blessing. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? It's our month of what? March is our month of supernatural accomplishments. This is our year of supernatural accomplishments. Wow. What it means is that this year we are going to be getting many wonderful things accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? And we've been sharing with you concerning um, various subjects that will help you to accomplish supernatural things. Hallelujah. In general, we spoke about the Holy Spirit and His power, isn't it? Then in February, we spoke about our union with Christ. Is it true? Did you learn anything at that time? Did it help you? Amazing. Now, this month, we are focusing on the Word of God. So, supernatural accomplishments through the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now, these things that I'm sharing with you are very, very important. And they are very, very powerful. And if you will give your attention to, to them, they will help you. If you will give your heart to them, they will help you. And if you focus on them, they will, they will put you over. Okay? They will put you over. No matter where you are, what level you are on in life, if you allow what God is telling you to stay in you, and if you start focusing on it as you are supposed to, you'll be surprised at what you to do for you. Mommy, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. Yes. You see, I like saying hello to mothers and to fathers. As for me and you, we are here, isn't it? Uh -huh. So if I don't say hello to you, it doesn't mean that I don't like you. I like you very much. Uh, yes, so be blessed, okay? So this month, we are sharing on the Word of God. You know, supernatural things are accomplished by very simple things. Okay, very simple principles. For instance, this huge building that we see here is based on some simple principles that exist. And repeating those principles in different, in different forms is what gets you the structure that we have now. Hallelujah. 
there is nothing there is nothing mysterious about supernatural things there's nothing mysterious about it because God has revealed to us in his word principles that we have to put to work for us to have supernatural things happening around us now the challenge is that human beings feel that something else is better that is that is that has always been the problem and the devil also tries to steal your time and take your attention away from what matters most to what does not matter at all that is what the problem is so if you would focus on the things that we are sharing with you you'll be surprised and amazed at the results that you will produce hallelujah so don't get into the don't start looking for something for a prayer from a pastor only a certain man or pastor Chris can pray for you and nothing will happen do you believe what I'm saying I've seen some before I went for a meeting two things happened there was a certain lady who was going to die and he prayed for her she had a certain wild cancer aggressive cancer he prayed for her and she became fine she's alive up to date this was last year and this was last two years October she's alive okay then he prayed for another person that I know so I know these two people the first one God healed miraculously I tell you it was not a small thing the cancer exploded within an hour of him touching her can you imagine and she was given she had just about two months to live it's been more than a year she's still around the thing just exploded everything she became fine but the second one was a pastor he also had a cancer colon cancer I knew him so so he prayed for him as well but after three months the man died Wow <laughs> what is the difference what do you think is the difference we may not be able to explain everything but there are principles that God has revealed to us okay principles of faith you know don't don't be a Christian who says all this faith thing is too much <laughs> if you start talking like that and if you start behaving like that you'll be surprised that a lot of things will not work in a certain way for you the Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God we walk by faith and not by sight that just shall live by faith okay but God has revealed to us principles in his word that will help us put us over and help us succeed on every level and on every sea of our lives hallelujah yeah so sometimes somebody can be in the system for a very long time and it is expected that he or she will know some things do you see the difference between these two people was that one is a child one is an adult spiritually speaking the lady said she's a baby in Christ and she can be carried on the shoulders of another you can carry your child on your shoulders for some time depending on the child's age I can't carry my son on my shoulders for more than 30 minutes he's almost 25 kilos I will not get into that business hallelujah 
but you can carry a two-month-old or a three-month-old on your shoulders. In fact, we always carry them, isn't it? You can have a child who doesn't want to lie down. When she lies down, she starts crying. When she comes into your bosom, then she's very happy. I held a certain child a, a week ago. When you put him down in a certain way, he starts crying. No, 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 I don't want this one. I want, he wants you to stand up and hold him in a certain way. Hey. So children can be carried up, can be carried by others. In the same way, spiritually speaking, babes in Christ can be carried on the shoulders or on the faith of another. But when you, as you grow, the Lord expects your faith to increase as well. So that you can carry yourself. Abel, who carried you to church today? Did someone carry you to church today? You walked in yourself, isn't it? You are not a small boy. But there's a baby in there, in the children's auditorium, who was carried in there by her mother. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. So, as you grow in the Lord, God expects you to learn. I was telling you about Kenneth Higgins' sister some time ago. I don't know if you remember. Ten years prior to her death, she, she got a sudden cancer, aggressive cancer. And Kenneth Higgins prayed for her. Immediately she got healed. And she became fine. Ten years later, the same cancer came back. And when Kenneth Higgins was trying to pray for her, the Lord said, it's not going to work. Stop wasting your time. I was expecting her to develop herself in faith over the last 10 years but she didn't develop herself she went back to business as usual so your prayer will not do your prayer your prayer is very powerful you have faith but she does not have the faith to be healed of this particular thing not at this time and she died wow So faith is one of the major principles that is revealed in the Bible to aid us with respect to having supernatural accomplishments all, all the time. Faith, you can't do without it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by the word of Christ. The word of God is the substance from which faith comes to you. What do you think? The word of God is the substance that God used in creation, in creating everything. The means was the Holy Spirit, but the substance was the Word. In fact, sometimes the Word is even described as the, subs- the means by which everything was created. If you read in John 1, 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, isn't it? And the Word was of God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Next verse. The same was in the beginning with God. Next verse. Then it says, All things were made by Him. Have you seen it? All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So in this particular place, you see that he's the means and also the substance. He's the very substance. He's like the cement, the blocks, the water, the, the wood, the iron rods, the roofing sheets. Everything you can think about in creation. If you read in Colossians chapter, chapter 1, um, verse 17. Look at Colossians 1, 17. He says, and he's before all things, and by him all things consist. Go to, let's read um, 16 into 17 rather, okay? 16 into 17. He was talking about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word, right? So he says, for by him, by the word, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him 
and for him. Have you seen it? Let go back. Go back. Let's read it in the ASV. Can you show it to us in the ASV? Look at this one. This one says, For in him, he is the place of creation. Are you seeing it? He's a place in him. The other one said, For by him. Showing you, of course, the word by can be translated as in, but the original manuscript is actually this one in. For in him were all things created in the heavens and upon the earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things have been created through him. He's the means, and unto him, he's the end. Wow. What a shock. Romans eleven thirty six says that for all things, of him are all things, and through him are all things, and to him are all things. Romans eleven thirty six. For of him, in other words, every, everything originates from him. Of him, he's the originator of all things. And through him, he's the means of all things. And to him, he's the end of all things. Wow. What a shock. So the word that you have in your hand there is very, very powerful. It is the substance for everything. Everything I've seen around, the trees, the stars, the moon, the sun, the galaxies, the, everything you are seeing came as a result of the word of God. Is it not a shock? So you wonder, how did it happen? You know, that's the, that's the, that, that is supernatural. You cannot understand, naturally speaking. It is supernatural. Hallelujah. Now, If you read in Psalm 119, verse 97, David says some very nice things about the word. And I want us to look at it. The word of God is so important. Tell anybody, the word of God is so important. It will make you. It will make you what it talks about. If you give it to your attention. Yeah. So I'm preaching concerning hearing, seeing, meditating, and doing the word. That's my subject, actually. Hearing, seeing, meditating, and doing the word, or acting the word. That's my subject for the next few weeks, okay? And I'm going to be, I have six teachings on it, and this is the first one. And this time around, I want to focus on the authenticity and the power of the word. That's what I'm focusing on today. Is it a good subject? Is the Bible authentic? Is, is it the power of God? So I'm making an effort to try and explain these things to you, okay? So he says, oh, how I love thy Lord. This is David talking. Oh, how I love thy Lord. The, 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 the word Lord there is actually the word, okay? So let's say it right. Oh, how I love thy word. It is my meditation all the day. Wow. How many of you want to be like David? David is showing you one of the major ways by which he became what he was. David was... He was at the back side of the desert. Eh? He was at the corner. He was at the corner of life. Is it true? Was he at the corner of life? He was far away. Even when Samuel was sent to go and anoint one of the sons of Jesse, he was forgotten about. They brought all the children and forgot that he was part. He was feeding the sheep at the back of the desert. Amazing. But the word of God, he says, I love thy Lord. It is my meditation. 
all the day. That love that he had for the word brought him from the backs of the desert to become a king over Israel. And the best king ever. David is the one who is called the king. Every other king in Israel was a sub-king. Out of the kings, he's the highest. To the extent that Jesus will sit on his throne. When he returns, he will sit on the throne of David. So how did David become what he became? He's showing you. He says, oh, how I love thy word. It is my meditation all the day. Next verse, verse, verse 98. Thou through thy commandments, or through your word, has made me wiser than mine enemies. He says, through your word, you have made me wiser. Wow! Thou through thy word has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. The word of God will make you wise. Say it will make you wise. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Let's look 15 rather. 2 Timothy 3, 15. Look at 2 Timothy. It says, and that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So the word of God can make you wise. David was giving a testimony concern. He says, thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Go back to that place. Psalm 119. 98. Now 99. Go to 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies or thy word are my meditation. So if you want to have more understanding than your teachers, what do you do? The word. He says, for thy word are my meditation. Testimony is actually word. The word of God. He's still talking about the word. Next verse. I understand more than the ancients because I keep thy precepts. The precept is actually the word as well. I understand more than the ancients. What a shock. Do you like what I'm sharing with you? So the word of God is too important. It is the substance of creation. The means of creation. The end of creation. It is the the reason for all things. It is the reason for all things. And that is what you are born of. If you read in First Peter chapter 1 verse 23, it lets you know, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. Have you seen it? First Peter 1 Peter 1 23. Something. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. Have you seen it? Are you born again? Ask anybody, are you born again? The Bible is there. She says, you are born again, not of what? Corruptible seed or corruptible sperm. The word seed there is sperm. It says, it's not a human being that gave birth to you now that you're born again. Now that you're born again, you are born by something called the word which liveth and abideth forever. The word of God lives and abides forever. Look at the next verse. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. Next verse. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wow. The word endures forever. He says the glory of man is as the flower, is as the grass. Man is like, flesh is like grass. And the glory of the man is like the flower of the, the grass. It will perish. But the word of God endures forever. And this is the word that is preached unto you. So the word of God is very powerful. It can do so many things for you. 
if you will give it the attention that it requires. A big if. If you will give it the attention it what it requires. If you will give it the attention it requires, it will change your life. It will make you. Don't say that, oh, when I read the Bible, I can't remember anything. Remember something. Am I preaching to you or you know? Remember something. Tell anybody, remember something. Yeah, because it will make you wise. And it will change your life. Stop putting yourself in that category. When I read, I don't, I don't understand much. I don't. Try your best. Just read it. It will change your life. If you read in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, he says, My son, attend to my words. Give attention to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Next verse. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine eyes, of thine heart, of thine heart. For they are life unto those who find them. And health or medicine to all their flesh. It will change your life if you give it the attention it requires. Hallelujah. So I want to share with you on um the for instance, if you pick the word of God, as we have it, if you pick the Bible, you have a Bible, let me see your Bible. If you pick the Bible like this, okay, there are things that are written in there that was said, the Bible is a compendium, okay, of someone, okay, the Bible, say the Bible. It's a compendium of someone. Uh His name is Jesus Christ. So the word of God is actually a person. So there are three designations of 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 the word. Or there are three expressions of the word. If we say the word of God, we are making reference to three things. Okay? The first one is the living word. Or the person of the word. Hallelujah. Are you here? So I said there are three designations of the word, right? The first one is what? The living word. Or the person of the word. Okay? It's sometimes it's also called um The incarnate word. The incarnate word. So the first expression that we have is actually it's a it's a companion of a certain person. And his name is Jesus Christ. So if you read in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, you will see that the word of God is actually somebody. And that somebody is Jesus Christ. Revelation 11, 19, 11. He says, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. Next verse. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Who was he talking about? He was talking about Jesus, right? So the name of Jesus, he is the Word of God. And John chapter 1 verse 1 lets you know that actually the word that we talk about, when we say the word of God, we are actually talking about somebody. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. 
So he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Next verse. The same was in the beginning with God. Next verse. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Next verse. In him, in the, in the word was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, jump to verse 14. Verse 14 lets you know who this particular word is. He says, and the word was made flesh. The word became flesh. The word was there is to become. So the word became flesh. It puts up flesh. And dwelt amongst us. This is John talking. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Dwelt amongst us, the disciples. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He was making reference to Jesus Christ. So that word of God that predated, if you go back to verse 1, the word you will see in the beginning, the word there, the definite article there is not there in the original manuscripts. So it's actually, it's supposed to be like this. In beginning was a word. This beginning predates the beginning we see in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. This is before existence existed. Before existence existed, before time was started, the word existed as God. Please you understand? So he predates all things. And yet he became a person on a certain day in a certain manger. And he was given a name called Jesus. So if you read in 1 John chapter 1 verse 1, he gives you some more light. John gives us some more light concerning who Jesus really was. Jesus was not an ordinary person. Jesus was the son of God and was actually the word of God. Okay? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have, we have seen with our eyes. This is John talking. He says, that which was from the beginning is what we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled. Then he says, of the word of life. He was talking about Jesus. He called Jesus the word of life. So when we say the word of God, we are actually making reference to somebody. Who is that somebody? He's called the incarnate word. He's called the living word. He's called the person of the word. So the word of God is a person. Tell me about the word of God is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. I think Revelation chapter 19, 11 mentions it, isn't it? He says, and he had a name written, and that name was the word of God. So he is the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. Say Jesus is the word of God. So if you are reading your Bible and you are not seeing Jesus, you are not reading the word of God. I'm going to say some things when we are ending, and it will help you some more. To know what the word of God is, some more, okay? But do you understand this one? So the word of God is... First of all, the incarnate word, the living word, the person of the word, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, the second designation of the word is the spoken word. Okay? Say the spoken word. The spoken word. Or rema. It's called rema. R-H-E-M-A. The second designation of the word, or the second expression of the word, is the spoken word, the word that is spoken, the word of God that is spoken. If you read in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, look at Hebrews 11, 3. It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Have you seen it? Now, the word, word of God, word over there, is the Greek word, rema. 
R-H-E-M-A. So he says that through faith we understand that the world, the ages, the world that we see was framed. Katatizo, it was put together by the word of God, by the spoken word of God. Have you seen it? So if you read in Psalm, Psalm 33, verse 6, look at Psalm 33, verse 6. Psalm 33, verse 6 shows us some more concerning this particular aspect of the word. It says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. By the breath of his mouth. If you don't talk, we will not know the breath of your mouth. Is it true? If your mouth is closed, we can't smell your breath. <laughs> so the breath of the Lord comes through the spoken word of God. It says, by the word of the Lord, the spoken word of the Lord, were the heavens made. All the heavens were made by the spoken word of God. And all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. So that is the second designation of that. Whenever we say the word of God, we are referring sometimes to the spoken word. Do you understand? Then the third designation of the word is the written word. The written word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Look at Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a designer of the thoughts and in- intents of the heart. The word word here is logos, L-O-G-O-S. That's a Greek word. Logos, and it means written word. So it says the written word, the Bible that you have in your hand there. Let me let me hold it again. We all have ours on our tablets. So it is not fully the word of God, isn't it? <laughs> this book. Eh? He says it is quick, not the spoken word, the written word. It's quick. The word quick is powerful. Let's read the amplified lessons. But the amplified says the spoken word, the word that God speaks. But it's actually the written word. Okay, look at the amplified. For the word that God speaks, isn't it? He says the word that, but it's actually the written word, logos, not rema. So this is not rema. This is what logos. Say logos. Okay, so he says, for the word, the Logos, is alive. This thing is alive. Wake your neighbor up and say, this thing is alive. (laughs) Uh, It's alive and full of power. This thing is full of power. Can you imagine? The written word is full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. Wow, it is energy is better than the energizer battery. I tell you, it is sharper than any two edged sword. This written word is sharper than any two edged sword, meaning that it is like a sword. When you have it in your hand, it's like a sword, spiritually speaking. That is why our mothers pray with the Bible in their hands, then we'll be doing this. They are not joking, it's a revelation in the scriptures, yeah. Penetrating the divine line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit, and of the joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. So this book can judge your thoughts and expose your thoughts to you and let you know what you are really thinking and how that your thoughts is not in line with what God wants you to think. Do you like what I'm saying? Hmm. 
Can I show you some more? <laughs> so like I said, this book is actually a compendium, right? It's a documentation and the expression of the living word. The written word is a documentation and an expression of the living word. Who is the living word? Jesus Christ. So the Bible is actually a compendium of Jesus Christ, a documentation of Jesus Christ, and an expression of the living word, which is Jesus Christ. And Jesus showed it to us even when he came. In John chapter 5, verse 39. Look at John 5, 39. Do you like what I'm sharing with you? I'm trying to say things that will help you know that this book that you have in your hand there is very powerful. A lot of Christians don't understand what they have. That's why they leave it and go and look for other things. If you understand what you have, you will never leave it. You will never forsake it. You will take it very seriously. John 5 verse 39. This is Jesus talking. He says, search the scriptures. He was telling the the Pharisees, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Or which speak of me. The written word speaks of me. And Jesus, at this time when Jesus was talking, the New Testament had had not been written. So Jesus was making reference to the Old Testament. So he says that everything that was written in the Old Testament actually testify of me. They speak concerning me. They are an expression of me. Can you see it? They are an expression of who? Me. Everything in the Old Testament represents Jesus. From the sacrifices to the things that they did. The everything. His, he spoke about his birth, his life. Everything you can talk about. His crucifixion, his ascension, his, his life where he was going to come from, how he was going to be born, everything in the Old Testament was actually speaking concerning Jesus. So if you read in Luke chapter 24, verse um, 27, look at Luke chapter 24, verse 27. Jesus was talking to two of his disciples who were moving from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. And on the way, this was after Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus was resurrected, he could turn into various shapes. Titus. He could turn into various shapes and he could become an older man or a younger man. In John chapter 21, Jesus appeared to the disciples as an older man. What you need for your life and what to bring things to your life is what we are sharing with you. So you need to get it more. A lot. And to bring you money, you'll be surprised. You are looking for, we are chasing money. Jesus taught Peter to fish on the right side. The guy had told all night he couldn't, they couldn't catch anything. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he told him, cast your nets to the right. He told him nets. But Peter didn't believe much, so he casted out his nets. He cut only one. And it became so full that his boat began to sink. The word of God will teach you how to make your business work. It has information concerning how your business can work better than it is working now. And give you more results. But you will ignore it. That is why Christians are suffering. Because what will change, it's not a prophet's prayer. You are a joke. Who is a prophet? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not as many as are led by prophets. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. I'm not the one to lead you. I'm not God. I can't lead you. What I can do, the reason why I'm in your life is to give you the word. That's what I'm doing. If I'm special in your life, it's because of the word. Not because of anything. What can I do? Me, I need help. I need help. Or you don't think I need help. I need help, Papa. And the word of God is what is helping me. 
do you like what I'm saying? Should I stop saying it or I should keep saying it? So Jesus could show himself up in different ways. And in this particular place, Jesus began to talk to these two guys and showed himself differently. So they couldn't see him. They couldn't see that it was him. They had walked with him for three and a half years. But this time they could, after his resurrection, he showed up differently. So if Jesus looked like me before he died, he rose again and looked like he could change to become like Pastelli. Then he would change to become like Abel. Then he would change to become like Eben, at me. At different times. And change will come like Pastor Yvonne. Amazing. Yes. So these disciples could not see him. They could not see him physically. As him. They saw him physically as somebody else. And as he was going with them, the Bible says that he began at Moses. When, we, when, the, Bible says, when the New Testament says Moses, he's talking about all the books that Moses wrote. Math, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. These are the five books of Moses. Some people say there's a six and the seventh book of Moses. Brothers and sisters, it was not given to us. I beg you. Re- you've not finished reading what was given to us. Where are you going to? So he says, Jesus beginning at Moses and all the prophets. All the prophets include all that was written after Moses. We have major prophets and minor prophets. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. All those things are part of the prophets. Are you getting it? So he says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded unto them, the disciples, all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Meaning that all the scriptures are actually an expression of himself. So brothers, if you are in the Bible and you are seeing sand and stones, instead of seeing Jesus, then there's a problem. The written word is an expression, a documentation, a compendium of the living word, who is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Do you love Jesus? Let me show you some more. So if the living word is a person and his name is Jesus Christ, then why do we need a written document? Is that not a question that we should ask? Is it a good question to ask? If the, if the living word is a person, why should we have the written word? Because Jesus could have chosen to reveal himself to all of us every day. In fact, Jesus should have walked through Jerusalem with his pierced hands and pierced feet and pierced side everywhere and let everybody know hey yo i'm here i died i've risen again look at me you better believe in me now and whoever is but when you when you are born and you turn six and he shows himself to you hey yo you should know that i'm here i'm the one how come jesus is not doing that why is he depending on his written word because if jesus should reveal himself to you like that your faith will not be based on anything your faith will be based only on what you have seen and what you see is not faith he says what we see we don't hope for jesus said to thomas because you see or you have seen you believe blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe so the written word is a proof of all that happened concerning the word or concerning jesus 
before you came. For instance, let me give an example. There was this PhD student who was going to defend his thesis. You know when you are defending your thesis, you must have, you are going to defend yours very soon. Have you done it already? You are blessed. You receive all the wisdom you need. Before, do you have, you are, you are writing, you wrote a thesis, right? You are still writing it. And you, come, come, stand up. And you are going to defend it. Yes, please. Yes, please. Are you going to defend what you have written? Yes, please. But why did you write it? Uh, it's in a document form, so I have to let them know my results and all that I've put together. So the proof is my document. The proof is the document. If there's no document, what you say cannot be used because what you say can be forgotten. Is it true? Is it true that what you say can be forgotten? You can take your seat. So this PhD student was going to defend his thesis. And when he got there, he did not have any document. He was a very brilliant shark, big shark. And he was seeing everything from memory. Yes, he defended and said everything from memory. From the reference, even references. Do you know referencing? Referencing is one of the most difficult things to do when you are writing a project. In fact, that is the stressful part. This guy could quote and refer Seca, one, one, whatever. Hey! And then say it and say it. And he was, everything he was saying was correct. And his lecturer, his professor was sitting down looking at him, so impressed. But then when he finished, he asked him, so where's your document? Where's your thesis, your written thesis? Then he said, well, I don't need to write it. I know everything in my mind. Then the professor said, oh, you need to write it. He said, no, 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 I'm a shark. I need, everything is in my mind. The professor said, okay, I've heard. So when he finished defending his thesis and uh, the unwritten thesis and he passed, because he did it very well, he came to come and collect his certificate. And when he came, the professor told him to stand by him. And he stood up and also said, you have passed your exam, so receive your certificate. And the guy was like, ah, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to get a document to show that I've passed this exam. The lecturer said, no, you're a shark. I'm also a shark. You don't need, we don't need a written document to show that you're a shark. Wow. So no matter how powerful the living word is, without a document, we will not know what has happened. There will not be proof, testimony of what has happened in times past. Please, you understand? That is why we have the written word. So for us to know the living word, the living word must be documented so that we can know what the living word did when it came or even before it came so that we can have a, a means of defending the gospel and a means of defending the living word. Hallelujah. Doesn't make sense. That is why we have the living, the written word that we have in our hands. In Jesus' name. Now, the written word it's actually a documentation of Christ, right? That's what I said. But in that document, there are things, there are, it's a document that lets you know what God said. What men said. What angels said. And what Satan and his devils also said. So if you've read your Bible, you will notice that different groups of people say something in the Bible. Is it true? So it is not everything that is in there. For instance, a man could say something that was documented in the Bible. 
But what he said was to teach us about what not to say. Not to teach us what to say. I don't know if you are catching it. I'm trying to say that it's not everything in this book that would qualify as the living word. Because some of the things in there were spoken by a man. For instance, when Job was complaining about God, Job complained about God and said that his affliction is from God and told God, what have I done that you're afflicting me? He said so many bad things to the Lord. So many interesting things, but he never cursed God. And God showed up and told him that, look at you, look at you who is talking. Do you know who I am? How can you talk the way you are talking? So all the things Job said are not things you are supposed to say. I don't know if you get it. There are things Satan said. And it is documented here. So you can't take that as the living word. He's showing you what Satan said and what he always says. So that when you hear that, you will know that this one is Satan. So that you can pinpoint Satan. You Bab. Uh-huh. So don't go around saying that the Bible is confusing. Sometimes it says this here and says, who said what way? That's the question you should be asking yourself. There are things Jesus even said to the Jews that was not to the new creation. But you should know that this one is to the Jews. This one is to the new creation. So as you go, that's why you need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the spectacles with which you read the word of God. Without the Holy Spirit, you will take things you are not supposed to take for yourself. And you will believe things you are not supposed to believe. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And he's the spirit of revelation who leads us into the word. And helps us and guides us as to what we should do and what we should take and not take. Do you like what I'm saying? If you understand what I just said to you, you'll be surprised at what will happen in your life. You will not just take everything. You allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. For instance, one of the major battles in this country in which we are living is a battle of the Old Testament. There are preachers who don't quote one scripture from the New Testament. Everything they do is from Old Testament. And they'll pick a certain phrase in the Old Testament and start preaching with it. I see you. As the Lord said that the thousand shall fall on your side and ten thousand at your right hand. Hey, ya baba. Bre bo bo bo. You go away with hey, ya baba, bre bo 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 and not know exactly what the Bible said concerning your life. The Old Testament was written for our learning. If you read in Romans chapter 15, it lets you know. Romans 15 verse 4 and verse 5. He says, for what things soever, what things were written aforetime, or what was documented, the word that was documented aforetime, were written for our learning. So the Old Testament is for your what? Learning. Then he says, that we through the, the, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So the Old Testament is meant to give you hope and meant to help you with your patience. Please, you understand? It is written for your learning. It was not written to you. It was written for you. First Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 5 lets us know exactly why the Old Testament was written again. It says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown. Go up. Go up to go to verse 3. And they all drink the same and they all eat the same spiritual meat. We're talking about let's read from verse 1. What do you think? From verse 1 will help. 
Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's talking about the children of Israel and how they all went through the cloud and all went through the sea. Uh-huh. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Next verse. And did all eat the same spiritual milk, the same spiritual meat. Next verse. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed him, followed them. And that rock was Christ. Next verse. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrowing the wilderness. Next verse. Now, these things were our examples. It says, what happened to them, our examples. To the intent, we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. And then he goes on and on and on. He says, they were written, all the things that were written concerning Israel was written for our example. Please, you understand? So it was written for your learning. But the New Testament was written to you. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. The New Testament has your name inside. Your name is inside the New Testament. You'll be amazed. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, the saints at Ephesus died a long time ago. Ephesus is current day Turkey. Do you know Turkey? The country called Turkey. I'm not talking about the Turkey that we chew. I'm talking about the country. Okay? So Ephesus is modern day Turkey. And modern day Turkey is Islamic. The Ottoman Empire took away the Christian, the Christians killed so many of them. And they took over. And it has continued, has continued to date. So the saints at Ephesians are dead and gone a long time ago. But we still read this. Why are we still reading it? Because we are the saints that are existing now. So when he says, I'm writing to the saints which are at Ephesus, it's actually referring to you now. So he's writing to the saints which are at Love Economy Church this hour. Right now, it's for you. Please, you understand? He wrote to you and he has your name in there. Look at the next verse. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This, he's writing to you that grace and peace should be on you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Who are the us? You and I. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So if you want to know what is written to you, read these things. Do you like what I'm saying? He's letting you know that he has blessed you. See, I'm blessed. With all spiritual blessing. In heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. How do you know? Because there's a written word concerning you. Wow. Okay, you ask me go on in the weeks, you'll get to know some more. But now the question is, is the Bible authentic? Is the book we have in our hand the word of God? Is it really the word of God? Is it authentic? Is it, can it be trusted? Can you depend on it? The answer is emphatically yes. Why emphatically yes? Because of the following reasons. So I'm giving you reasons why the Bible, as we have it, is authentic. Okay? Number one. Are you interested in what I'm sharing with you? So that you will not be confused. So that you will not think that maybe the book of Nicodemus is the, is the, is the word of God. You not be confused and say the book, the book of Barnabas is the word of God. You will know that this one that you have in your hand 
from Genesis to Revelations is authentic. It is actually from God. And it is actually the word of God. So the first one is that the Bible that we have is unique in unity or continuity. Charlie, you have to bring notebook to church. Have you noticed you have to bring notebook to church? You are not a shark like the PhD student. Do you remember the PhD student I just mentioned? You have to document something down. You are just hearing. And hearing is not enough. You must write something down. You must write something down. What I just said is a very big one. I said it is unique. The Bible is unique in what? In unity and in continuity. Why are we saying that? For instance, pick any subject, any controversial subject today. Okay? Or pick any controversial subject that has existed for many years. And look for 10 authors around that same subject. And you'll be surprised that they don't agree. Two may agree, but three may disagree with the two. And another three may agree with another thing. And another one. There's this, there are these... Um, um, doctors in a certain hospital somewhere and one of them was educated in Great Britain and the other one was educated in America on the same subject now they don't agree on so many things and they are making their students suffer because if you go to the exam hall and you meet this British trained doctor Along this particular subject, there's a subject I will maybe let's say ONG, Ops and Gaini. If you should do it in a certain way, if you should handle the patient in a certain way, he will, he will fail you. If you should handle the patient in the American way, he will fail you. Meanwhile, all that you are doing is correct. No, so. <laughs> and then, if you meet the American guy and you do it the British way, he will also fail you. So, as a student, you must learn for both. If you meet the British guy, you do what he wants for him. And if you meet the American guy, you do what he wants for him. And they are always disagreeing. Always. They are disagreeing. Meanwhile, it's the same cause. Yeah, it's a true story. I'm not lying to you. It's a true story. Hallelujah. <laughs> so pick any controversial subject. You'll be surprised. At the... The docu- different people saying different things about same subject. They don't agree. They don't agree. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But when it comes to the Bible, now you can have people, you can even pick people from the same time. Like they were, they were, they lived in the same time. They were born around the same time. They have the same cultural background. They have the same social cultural background. They have the same everything. And they will still not agree on many things. But when you pick the Bible, eh, the Bible was written over a 1,600 year period. 1,600 years. Do you know 1,600? 1,000 years ago is 1021. This is 2021. So 1,000 years ago was 1021. That's a very long time ago. I tell you. The Bible was written over 1,600 years by people from different cultures. In fact, three different continents are involved. Europe, Asia, and then Africa. Three different places. Different socioeconomic backgrounds. 
David was a king. Moses was a political leader. Ruth was a was a was a was a peasant. Eh? Who? Daniel was a was a prime minister. Paul was a scholar. Peter was a fisherman. Joseph was a carpenter. I mean, different, written by different people with different backgrounds, and yet they all agree concerning the same thing. Yeah, they all agree. Isn't it amazing? They lived in different time timelines, and some of them didn't know what the other person had written. They had no clue of what the other person had written. Yet they ended up writing the same thing the other person wrote. It's amazing. They all talk about Jesus' birth. They all talk about Jesus' life. They all talk about Jesus' death. They all talk about his resurrection. They all talk about the future. They all talk about, I mean, it is unique in unity and in continuity. It gives a continuous thought, a continuous line of thought, and that can only be God. What do you think? Do you like what I'm saying to you? Amos was a farmer. <laughs> How can a farmer write concerning Jesus Christ? He wrote concerning Jesus Christ. He didn't know what other people, other people had written, but he wrote along the same line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All scripture agree, and it is continuous in thought. So it shows you that it is actually authentic. Unlike um, other books by other religions, if you pick Muslims and pick the Quran. The Quran was written by one person. His name is Muhammad. Only one person. And everybody is following that one person. But the Bible was written by 40 different people. Over a 1,600 year period. And they all agree. Living in different cultures, different times, different everything. They all agree concerning the same thing. Never read each other's documents. Yet they all agree. Well, is that not God? If you pick the book of the Buddhists, it's from one person. How can you agree with one person? One person's, one person's evidence of God. It doesn't make any sense. What if that one person was wrong? Was that person divine? He was not divine. He was born of a human being. He was not divine. So how can you believe in that person's testimony? He doesn't even claim divinity. He doesn't even he doesn't even claim divinity. I don't know if you catch it. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult. It doesn't make any sense. If you have gone to school snow now, you realize that hmm, this one, there's something wrong. Even in school, we have so many books that we read on one subject. You read what this person said, you read what this person said, you read that is what it means to do a research. You do you check various documents written by various people and then you add yours. That's what you do. You don't read one. If you read one and you copy that one, what have you done? You have plagiarized the person, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow. Do you like what I'm saying? Number two reason why the Bible is authentic. It's authentic because it is unique in survival. It is unique in what? Survival. It shouldn't be around by now. It shouldn't be. Because of the attacks that were released on it, the hordes of hell were released on the Bible for many years, yet it is still around today. 
In fact, there was, a, there was a French scholar called Voltaire who said that, Voltaire said that <laughs> in 100 years time, in a century from now, Christianity will not be existing because my single hands will pull down the edifice that took 12 apostles to raise up. That's what he said. You don't even know him. <laughs> Do you know that by the time he died, his own house was converted to be, to be a Bible printing press. Yes. The Geneva, the Geneva press was actually his house. And they printed Bibles from his house to the whole world. It's amazing. If you've read history, you will see how much the Bible has suffered. You will see how much. There was a council called the Council of Valencia. And they decided that that council was a council of priests in the Roman Catholic Church. Excuse me if you get offended, but that is the truth. It's history. Okay, say history. history. Yes, we are all Catholics. Every Christian is a Catholic. The word Catholic means universal church. But there's a Roman Catholic church. Do you understand? Uh -huh. We are all we are in the universal church. We are all part of it. We are all part of the body of Christ. I know part of the body of Christ. Yeah, it's the, the word Catholic is a certain word from a certain language, which means universal church. Hallelujah. So they sat down and the Pope decided that no, they divided the church into two, laity and then clergy. And out of the clergy, they said that only the clergy should have the Bible. And even out of the clergy, you needed to be on a certain level before you could have access to the Bible. So someone like Martin Luther did not have access to the Bible until one day he found one in an old library and read it for himself and saw that he had believed the wrong thing for many years. Then he came out of the Roman Catholic Church and protested and started the Protestant church like we see it today. Are you getting it? So they decided that if any individual has a Bible, that person can be burned to death, killed, whatever. If they caught you. So they started something called the Inquisition, the Great Inquisition. You can check it online, is there? Inquisition. So we have the Spanish Inquisition, the French Inquisition, so many. If they catch you with the Bible and you're a lady, they'll cut off your two breasts and you bleed to death. If they find the Bible in the house, they will put all the people in the house together and burn them together with the Bible. I mean, you, 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 it was a great danger to have access to the Bible. Someone was killed for teaching his children the Lord's Prayer. Do you remember? It was one of the, the things we were watching. The Torch Lighters. You can watch that particular thing. Torch Lighters. It's, it's a cartoon that has been made concerning church history and what has happened in history. And they will show you some of these things. The man and his family were benched to death. If they caught you with the Bible, they could cut your, your, your limbs and leave you to bleed to death. Yeah. It was not a small thing at all. People were killed, murdered. Whole towns, whole villages were murdered for having the Bible. Yet today we have it on our phones. It has survived. So it is unique in survival. People like John House, who came out of the Catholic Church and, you know, were bringing their scriptures to people, were killed, they were murdered. John Wycliffe, John Wycliffe printed the Bible and sent it to so many, translated the Bible and sent it to so many places. When the Roman Catholic Church realized that they, they, 40 years after his death, the Pope went to take his bones and grounded it to ashes and went to spread it in various rivers, claiming that he is denying him of the resurrection. <laughs> the one who translated the Bible into English, um, William Tyndale, 
was burnt alive for doing that. Yes. If they caught you, you were in trouble. People were beheaded. I mean, tortured. It's not a small thing. So for the Bible to have survived that, all the way till now, it is a great miracle. No other book. I mean, someone writes a book today, and after 10 years, you don't hear of the book again. How come this book, after all the pressure, all the years, all the troubles, all the challenges, has still survived? The Dark Ages was very bad. It was not easy at all. They kept the Bible somewhere and decided to teach the people what they wanted to teach them. So, pegatry was one of the things that was introduced during that time, for instance. Have you heard of pegatry before? They said that if, you, if your family member dies and was not good, he goes to pegatry, he doesn't go to hell. And if you buy some certificates that the Roman Catholic Church was selling at that time, your, cho- your family was brought out of pegatry. So, one, if you lied, one lie was equal to 1,000 years in pegatry. And they sold some of their certificates that could reduce the number of years by 500 years. And thousand years depending on the amount i listen to what i'm saying these are things that actually happen all these people william tindale white cliff all of them bent to death killed all those who tried to bring the bible to the masses were killed yet the bible has survived to date for instance, in 167 BC, before Christ came, 167 years before Christ came, okay, there was a certain man who rose up in the Grecian Empire called Antiochus. It's called Antiochus Epiphany. Have you ever heard his name before? I didn't say Antiochus. I said Antiochus. A N T I O C H U S. Antiochus Epiphany. Epiphany is spelled A P I P H A N Y. Antiochus Epiphany. You know? And you know what Antiochus did? Antiochus was a type of the Antichrist because all that he did was like the Antichrist. Just that Jesus had not come, so he could not be the Antichrist. He took all the Jewish, the Torah, he took everything and bent everything. He took everything, I mean everything. Because the Grecian Empire was in charge of the whole world at that time. So he took, they took, they went and searched, took everything and bent everything. Yet it survived. We don't know how, but it survived. It is unique in survivor. And Epiphany is the one who sacrificed a pig in the, in the temple of God. That's what the Antichrist would do in the future. He would offer a pig on the altar of God. And Tokus Epiphany did that. I mean, he was like the Antichrist. It was not easy at all. He bent everything, yet it survived. At a certain time, they bent all Bibles as we have it. Oh, the New Testament, they bent everything. Still, it survived. That shows you that that book that you have in your hand, this book that you have in your hand there, it is truly the word of God. It, it is unique in survival. No other book has survived. As, has been, no other book has been attacked as this. And yet survived. And it is here today. Even on your phone. It can only be a miracle. That is why we know that it is authentic. Because no other book has gone through that. I thought you would clap for the Lord for that. The third reason why it is authentic is because it is unique in its fulfillment. It is unique in its fulfillment. Everything that was said in the Bible has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled. It is like magic. 
In fact, historians are worried about the book of Daniel. They wonder if Daniel, I mean, how did Daniel know the things he got to know? Because the things Daniel wrote about doesn't make natural human sense. Daniel spoke about the coming empires up unto the Antichrist through Nebuchadnezzar's vision, the dream that he had concerning the statue that he saw with the golden head and the silver um, torso and then the bronze waists with the iron, uh, the iron legs and then the iron mixed with clay foots. All that represented various kingdoms that were going to come. And, and Daniel was giving insight to all of them. And all that Daniel said came to pass like magic. In fact, even the symbols of the empires that were going to come were see, was seen by him. God revealed it to him. And he wrote about every, even their symbols. The golden head was Babylon. And he saw it and wrote that it is Babylon. The next one was Medo-Persia, the Medo-Persian Empire. And he wrote about it, and it was, it was really like that. Then we have the, uh, uh, the Grecian Empire. That's place, in fact, the Grecian Empire is even, is even more unique because he mentioned Alexander the Great. Okay? Uh, 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 Daniel mentioned him and mentioned what will happen when he dies. How that Alexander, the, that's the Grecian Empire's king, the emperor would will not give his empire out to his son. Every empire em, emperor who dies gives his empire to his son. But Alexander the Great did not give it to his son. And Daniel wrote it before he even did it. In fact, Daniel wrote so clearly concerning Alexander the Great that when he got to Jerusalem and was going to destroy Jerusalem, because he was conquering the whole world, when he got to Jerusalem, the Judeans showed him the prophecy concerning him. That was written before he came. And when he saw how detailed it was, he decided not to touch Jerusalem and he moved on. Yes. When he died, instead of giving his, his empire to his child, his son, he said the strongest should take the empire. They asked him, who are you going to give the empire to? He said the strongest should take the empire. And his empire was split into four. One of them who was stronger was Antiochus. So one, of, one was taken by Antiochus. Can you imagine? With, and then three other generals took it. And Daniel mentioned it, that, he, that he was going to that particular empire was going to split into four, and then later become two, and later become one. And that was exactly what happened. After the Grecian Empire, it became the Roman Empire, and it was one. The Roman Empire was split into two sides: the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire. Everything Daniel wrote about up unto the silent years, this, these years that nothing is happening along the lines of empire empires, to the time that Antich- the Antichrist will come. The ten toes, which are ten nations that will come together and give their power to one person. It's an amazing thing. Isaiah wrote concerning Jesus' birth. More than a thousand years before he came. Look at Isaiah chapter 47. It's amazing. It is unique in its fulfillment. Like things are said in there, you check and it has happened. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14. Look at this. Can you read this to me? One to go. Who is Emmanuel? Jesus Christ. It means God with us. Wow. This was how many years before Jesus came? This is 700 years before Jesus was born. Is this what happened when Jesus was born? A virgin conceived. And gave birth to a son, not a daughter, a son. 
And it was a son that was born, and his name was Emmanuel. They called him Jesus. Wow. Look at the crucifixion, for instance. David prophesied 1,000 years before the crucifixion of Christ and gave such excellent details. Psalm 22. Look at Psalm 22, verse 1. You'll be surprised as you read these things. So the Bible is unique in its fulfillment. People spoke about people before, and it came to pass life. Look at this. My God, my God, why has that forsaken me? Have you heard this before in the New Testament? This is what Jesus said when he was hanging on the cross. My God, my God, why has that, why has that forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the worst of my roaring? Go to verse 6. He says, but I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, the lip. They shake their head saying, you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross and people were passing by. When they got there, they shook their head and they said, ah. And then they go away. So look at what they said. It says, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him. See, he delighted in him. This is what the Pharisees said at the foot of Jesus' cross. Have you read the Bible before? You don't know what I'm talking about. That was exactly what they said. It was as though they, they were quoting the scriptures. Wow. It is unique in what? In fulfillment. <laughs> go to verse 16. Psalm 22 verse 16. Jesus, David saw the crucifixion and wrote about it. Thousand years before it happened. 500 years after G- there was not There was nothing like crucifixion when David was writing. The first person to be crucified was crucified 500 years after David had prophesied concerning crucifixion. And it took another 500 years. It was done by the Phoenicians. Before the Roman Empire started doing that, 500 years later after the first crucifixion. So a thousand years after this was prophesied, then Jesus was crucified. Don't you like what you are hearing? Is it not helping you? When I, when I see these things, I just begin to thank God for giving you the opportunity to believe the right thing. Because you could have believed something else. It's a blessing. That is why we must help others, especially Muslims. Especially Muslims, because there are a lot of them. It says, for dogs have compassed me. The, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Is that not what you see, Jesus? They pierced his hands and they pierced his feet. Look at the next verse. You'll be shocked. Next verse. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. Next verse. They part my garments among them. And cast lots upon my vesture. Is this not what happened to Jesus? Amazing. <laughs> it's too much. I, I nearly I nearly left my microphone on the floor and said it's too much. Yeah, because this is not it's not it's not possible. It is unique in fulfillment. Unique. Unique. What was said has come to be they prophesy about Jesus' crucifixion, about his life, about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, about his second coming, about his rulership, everything. There are, are 300 prophecies, messianic prophecies concerning Jesus that have come to pass and are still coming to pass. Yes, 300 solid that are clear. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 2, they prophesy concerning Josiah. Oh, hallelujah. First Kings 13, rather. First Kings 13, 2. Josiah, the, the young prophet, if you read the Bible, you see the young man of God. Eh? The young man of God came to prophesy on the altar concerning Josiah. He said that, and he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord. 
and said, Oh, altar, altar. That said the Lord, Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high places that burn incense upon thee, and men's bows shall be bent upon thee. This was 360 years before Josiah was born. 360 years before Josiah was born. Wow. Are you not impressed? I am impressed. Cyrus was prophesied. 150 years before he was born. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 28. Cyrus was a, Cyrus was a heathen uh, a king. And Isaiah prophesied concerning his coming and how he was going to take Israel out of bondage and bring them back to, to Israel. Yeah. Jeremiah prophesied concerning Egypt, uh, Israel being taken away from Israel into captivity. And Isaiah prophesied their return through Cyrus. And Cyrus's decree. And if you read in Ezra chapter 1, you see Cyrus decreeing. He came, he came 150 years after he was spoken of. And he did exactly what the Bible said. That's the that's yet of Cyrus. He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. Even saying to Jerusalem, thou shalt be built. And to the temple, thy foundation shall be laid. Go to Ezra chapter 1. We can read from verse 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the, the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made the proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, this is 150 years after. Next verse. That's yes, Cyrus, king of Persia. The Lord, God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. He did exactly what was said. Wow. Micah. Micah prophesied about Jesus' birthplace. Even though Jesus' parents were not living in Bethlehem, they ended up going, going to give birth in Bethlehem. <laughs> it's amazing. Look at Micah. Micah. Do you know Micah is in the Bible? Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Do you like what I'm sharing with you? Are you learning anything at all? Wow. But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. He was talking about the birthplace of Jesus Christ, Jesus' birthplace. Wow. And it came to pass live and colored. So it is unique in fulfillment. It's not possible to just put it away and say it is nothing. It is actually the word of God. It has survived many years of violence. It is still here. Amazing. Brother, read your Bible. Because it speaks concerning your life. There are things that are said concerning you. Prophecies are said concerning you. If you read it, you will see your life. And it will change your life. Hallelujah. Number four. The Bible is unique in discovery. It is unique in what? Discovery. Say discovery. Some people say that. Prove to me scientifically that God is real. You don't know that the Bible existed before science. And what science was confused about. The Bible said. Before science found out. The first book of the Bible to be written. Was actually Job. Not Genesis. Job is the first book of the Bible to be written. Okay. Job predated Abraham. It was the first Bible to be the, f- the first book to be to be written. 
Hallelujah. Hmm. For instance, science at one point said that the earth was flat. Do you know? Do you know that people were killed for saying that the earth was round or spherical? Do you know that? Did you read that in, in Jesus? Who was killed? So many people. Who? I think Galileo Galilee was killed because he said the earth was spherical or round. They believed that the earth was flat and that you could sail to the ends of the world. If you get to the ends of the world, you fall off and you, you get lost. They didn't know that the earth was spherical. Before they found out that the earth was spherical, God had prophesied it and said it in his Bible before they found out. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. I said they killed people, though. They killed people for saying that the earth was, was spherical. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. He's talking about God. He says, God sits on the circle of the earth. So he had prophesied that the earth is a circle. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. That stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. He's talking about God. And he says, God sitteth on the circle of the earth. Wow. This is unique in what? Discovery. Say discovery. Science they didn't know, for instance, that the earth hung on nothing. Science didn't know that the earth was hanging on nothing because they said it was flat. They didn't know that it was hanging on nothing. But God has said before that the earth is hanging on nothing. <laughs> Job. <laughs> Job chapter 26. Verse 6 and verse 7. Job 26 verse 6. Hell is naked before him and destruction has no covering. Next verse. He stretched out the north over the empty place and hanged the earth upon nothing. <laughs> he hangs the earth upon nothing. The earth is actually sitting by the word of God. It is hanging. You see, they say the earth is sitting on this axis. There's no axis. You will not find an axis when you get out. Jesus is centripetal force. Jesus is centrifugal force. If you read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he lets you know that he upholded all things by the word of his power. He upholds all things by his word. It is he who spoke it into being, and it is he who hangs it. He hangs it upon nothing. He knows the foundation, where the foundation of the earth is. He asked Job, do you know where, the found, where I laid the foundation of the earth? Do you know? Brothers and sisters, don't joke with the Bible. It is, it is everything you can think about. It is really authentic. It is really the word of God. We don't have something fake. We have something right. Something correct. So you can depend on it. Tell anybody you can depend on the word. For instance, science believed that the moon produces its own light. Science said that the moon produces its own light like, like the sun. Is it true? Later on, they found out that it actually reflects light. The moon is like a diamond that reflects and refracts light. But the Bible has said, that God has said it long ago. Before they found out. Job chapter 25, verse 5. So don't use something that, that, that is weak. Science, science is weak. Don't use it to prove God. It doesn't make any sense. You can't use science to prove God. God is not in a test tube. What are you talking about? I did science. I read chemistry. You, you don't, someone said, prove to me that God is real. He's a scientist. When they asked him, what type of scientist are you? He said he's a computer scientist. That is not proper science. What are you talking about? <laughs> hmm. Job chapter 25, 
verse 5. The moon actually reflects the, the, the light of the sun, isn't it? That's what science have found out later on. But the Bible, Job said, the Job, I said Job is the, one of the first, is the first books of the Bible, first book of the Bible. And it says so many things about, many things that God did. It says, behold, even to the moon, and it shined not. Yea, the stars are not pure in the sight. It says the moon does not shine. Have you seen it? The moon does not what? Science found out later. God has said a long time ago. The moon does not shine. It only reflects and refracts light. For instance, science at one, 40 years ago, they said, they said that some time ago, they said that we have 40 sextillion stars in the heavens. They gave a number. We have 40 sextillion stars in the heavens. Later on, they came to tell us that it's actually 60 sextillion. Then later on, they said we can't count because it, is, it keeps going. Because actually, there's a light that keeps going in the universe. Like every time they check the, the is it, what's it called? Telescope, right? The big telescopes that they use to check the stars. When they check, they keep seeing new things. They've noticed a particular light that keeps going. Like today, if they go and check, that light has gone to a certain point and it has revealed some stars. Then they check again and it has revealed another group of stars. Then they check again, it has revealed. It's, it keeps going. That light is what Jesus said, what God said when he said, let there be light. When God said, let there be light, that light never stopped. It's still going. And it's still creating and still going like that. Wow. And God, God has said before that no human being can number the stars. But they were trying to number it. Look at Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 22. Let's read the Amplified. Jeremiah 33 22. No one can number the stars. Wow. And the host of heaven cannot be numbered. Neither the sound of the sea measured. So will I multiply the seed of David my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. Let's read the Amplified. You see the, ho- the word host of heaven is actually stars. The, and the host of heaven, the stars of the heavens cannot be what? Cannot be numbered. Yet man is trying to number it. And they keep finding new ones. Only God knows the number. So in Psalm 147 verse 4, look at Psalm 147 verse 4, King James. He says, he, God, telleth the number of the stars. And he calleth them all by their names. Give the Lord a big shout if you like what I'm saying. Wow. For instance, science believed. <laughs> I'm just talking about the same things. Unique in what? In discovery. I'm showing you the things that the Bible has said that science is discovering and keeps discovering. Hmm. In the 1800s, eh, science believed in something called bloodletting. Bloodletting. Doctors, they used to do that. So when someone is sick, they believe that the sickness was in the person's blood. So if they could let some of the blood drain, the sickness will come out and the person will be fine. This is what killed George uh, Washington. The first American president died because of bloodletting. They made him, they brought more than 50% of his blood out. About 40 to 50% of his blood out and he died because he got ill of a certain cold and he couldn't get well. So he, he even told them to start that process. They let some of his blood out. And then when the doctors came, they even let more out. It's called, it's called bloodletting. They believe that if you let some of the blood out, the diabetes will go. 
That's what they believed. Just in the 1800s, 1800 and something. He died, he died in, uh, I think, 1750, 1797 or so, or 99, one of them. That's what they believed. But the Bible has said in Leviticus 11, before they even found out that the life of the flesh is in their blood, if you let your blood go out, you are going to die. But science didn't know up until the 17th, 18th century, 19th century, they didn't know. Leviticus 11, verse 7, 17, 11, rather. Leviticus 17, 11. Wow. wow. It says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. If you let the blood go, the flesh will die. They didn't know, and they lost a lot of people. So later on, they found out that you can't let the, every human being has five pints of blood, isn't it? Is it five pints? Yeah, about, about five cups of blood. Five what? It's more than a cup. Is it a letter? Doctors, help me. It's five letters. Five letters of blood. Wow. A letter is not a cup. A letter is more than a cup. A letter is bigger than a cup. So if you let it go like that, the person is going to die. If it is going out, new one must be coming in, isn't it? Yeah, they didn't know. So the Bible is unique in discovery. The things that are said, that science is still uncovering and finding out is humongous. You'll be surprised. So it is authentic. Tell anybody it is authentic. And you can depend on it. Number five reason why, this is the last one. Number five reason why the Bible is unique and authentic and really the word of God is because it is unique in transmission. It is unique in transmission. In its transmission, it is unique. There are no errors in the Bible. There are no errors in what we have today. There are no errors. The errors are in commas and full stops. It's punctuations. One scholar studied the first 20,000 sentences of the New Testament and came out to say that the New Testament, as we have it, is about 96.43% perfect without errors. The, er the seeming errors we have are actually with punctuations, comments, and those things. Are you, are you getting it? It's actually in those things, not in its transmission. Now, the, do you know the Bible as we have it was documented? It's, it's called manuscripts. Uh, manu is from the word uh, uh, manicure, you know, written, handwritten by people. People wrote it. John Wycliffe and those who they wrote it, they had to write from Greek to whatever, English, from Hebrew to English. You know, it was written in Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. Some portions were written in Latin. And they had to translate all these things into English. And they were translating throughout the night under duress because they wanted to kill them and all of that. So they had to hide to do it. If you watch some of the things I was talking about, the torch lighters, right? You see how they were rushing from place to place to document and make sure they can get some time to write. As they're writing, they'll say they're coming and they'll pack and go again. So in their transmission of it, in their manuscripts of it, they made some errors. Okay? And like I said, the errors are in full stops, comments, and all of that, not in content and context. The Bible has been contextually criticized over years, and there's not been any error. For instance, years in 1948, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Have you heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls before? And they found the Torah 
the original, some of the original writings of the Old Testament that we have. And they realize that the Old Testament as we have it now is 99.6% right. Yes. The few, the small percentage is actually in punctuations, like I said. It was not punctuated. It's because the Torah didn't have punctuation. So it's the weakness of the language that is bringing the, the, the error, not the information carried out. I hope you get it. For instance, it was in the, it was in, um, is it 1400s that one Cardinal Hugo decided to put the scriptures in verses and in chapters. It was not written in verses and in chapters. It was a long document. But for the purpose of referencing Cardinal Hugo did the, the chapters and the verses so that we can say Isaiah chapter 4 verse 5 for all of us to go there. Do you get it? Uh-huh. For instance, when Jesus took the book of Isaiah, when he got to the temple after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, when he came to the temple, he took the book of Isaiah and opened it and found where it was written. That's what the Bible says. He had to look for and found where it was written concerning him and he spoke about it. There were no verses and chapters. It was introduced later on. Hallelujah. If you read in Psalm 12, verse 6, it lets you know how pure the word of God is. Psalm 12, verse 6. I'm closing. The words of the Lord are pure words. Can you imagine? He says they are what? Pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. The word of God has been purified what? Seven times. Seven is a number of perfection. It is perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. Hallelujah. So when you pick the Bible to study, know that it is actually the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, look at 2 Timothy 3, 16. He says that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. All scripture as you have it was given by the inspiral, the breath of God. So God breathed upon the people. The people were instruments. And he breathed upon them. He blew through them. Just like you would blow through a trumpet or a clarinet or any of those things and produce a specific sound. He blew through them and created specific sounds for them to write what they wrote. They didn't write on their own. Second Timothy, Second Peter chapter 1. Look at Second Timothy, uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 20. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20. He says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Next verse. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Have you seen it? But holy men of God spoke or spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And they were moved by the Holy Ghost to write what he wanted them to write. And it is consistent, continuous, it is unique, it is, it is wonderful in fulfillment, it is amazing in every single way. So the Bible you have, it is truly, it is authentic, it is not fake at all. If it were fake, it would not be here by now. It would have vanished a long time ago. The fact that you and I have it after so many years of it being written, shows. Now, when I say it was written over a 1,600-year period, I'm not saying it was written. I don't know if you understand. Yeah. Way before Jesus came, and even after Jesus left. And when you put it together, it's 1,600 long years documented for us. So, brother, 
it is the will of God, it is the word of God. And on, on Wednesday, I'm going to share with you how it is the power of God. I'm sharing concerning the authenticity and power of the word. Have you learned anything since you came? Have you been blessed? Give the Lord a shout if you like what I'm saying. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.